In the year 2009, the city of London was full of hundreds of buses driving around with this giant ad on the side of the bus that read, there's probably no God, stop worrying and enjoy your life. There's probably no God, now stop worrying and enjoy your life. This was part of the atheistic bus campaign. It was uh, in, done in partnership with the British Humanist Society and the infamous uh, atheist Richard Dawkins. They raised 153,000 pounds, and so actually there were 800 buses driving around the United Kingdom with these ads on the side. Uh, in addition, they bought about 1,000 billboard ads in the subway system, and they had a bunch of quotes from famous atheists. Now, from a marketing point of view, this is a brilliant ad because it summarizes so well the heart and mind of the secularist. And think about what's being said. Uh, first off, what's being said is the evidence against the existence of God outweighs the evidence for the existence of God, a claim with which we Christians would take umbrage. Secondly, it's saying any time and energy spent on the question of whether or not God exists is a colossal waste, and it will, it will bring into your life unwelcome and unnecessary anxiety, so don't go there. Don't even worry about whether or not it, God exists. And finally, it's saying that the best way to be happy is to live your life without regard for God and His Word. Now, I, I, I suspect that unfortunately that ad campaign added to the roles of the atheists, which is tragic. Because what it does, if you buy into this philosophy, what it does is cut you off from one of the greatest helps for life, which is namely the wisdom of God. And God is all wise and, in, and He wants to impart some of His wisdom to us, but the Bible tells us that Wisdom begins by submitting your heart and your mind to God. In Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, we are told this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You cannot be wise if you are an atheist. I was in Russia just a young man, and I uh, gave a lecture on Dostoevsky to a bunch of Russian high school students. And at the end of the lecture, one of the students said, you are wise. I want to be wise like you. And I said, well, any wisdom I have comes from God. And she said, but we don't believe in God, because this was shortly after uh, atheistic communism. And I said, well, unfortunately, you cannot be wise. And the bell rang, and I left and I won't know till I get to heaven whether that was the right thing to say, but it is true. <laughs> you cannot be wise and, and not believe that God exists and He rewards those who diligently seek Him and that those who ignore Him or oppose Him will ultimately lose out eternally. So we're in a series called uh, The God Who Is There. We want to know the real God. Not the God of our imagination, not the God that we've heard of. We want to know the real God. And thankfully, He has revealed Himself to us. 
and his self-revelation uh, uh, has been preserved for us by his mighty power and goodness in the Word. And so we are marching through the Word of God during this series, unpacking uh, what the Bible tells us about the God who is there. And so this is week six, and what we see is that the God who is there is unfathomably wise. Pastor James, by the way, told me, try not to say unfathomably too many times in your sermon, because it's difficult. So there you go. I'll probably just refer to the God who is wise now. But he is unfathomably wise. In fact, in Romans chapter 11, verse 33, we read, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. He is unfathomably wise. And the good news is God wants to share some of his wisdom with us. That's amazing. Now, when we say that God is unfathomably wise, what do we mean? Well, we mean three things. Number one, we mean that God understands how everything works, including the black holes, including uh, relativity, whether it's correct or not, and to what degree. God made it all. He understands it all. Number two, God understands the effect of every cause or every action. So anything that you and I were to do, he's, he can see the end result, even in a very complex system. And finally, he knows, because he created us, he knows what will bring us true happiness and will create flourishing in our lives, in our families, and in our societies. And so, uh, God is a bit like a car mechanic, right? A super good car mechanic. Uh, I take mine to Tim Donor at Donor Automotive plug for him. He should give me a discount next time. I'll play this for him. But he, he's, you know, he knows cars. He knows cars. And so when I bring it to him and I've got smoke coming out of the steering wheel and I don't know what's wrong and he's like, oh, it's your ignition. He understands it. He also knows how to get the most out of the car. You know, how often to change the oil, what kind of fuel to use, you know, uh, how many RPMs to be driving, etc. And so when we think about God's wisdom, you got to ask yourself, how would my life be different if I could tap into that? What if I understood how things work and uh, the effect of every action and what would truly bring me happiness and my family peace and joy? And yet, the good news of the Bible is we can tap into some of that because God in His generosity and His love for us shares with us some of His wisdom. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1, we read, Wisdom has built her house. So wisdom here is personified as a lady. Lady wisdom has built her house. She's hewn her seven pillars. She's slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine she has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Lady Wisdom is a personification of God. She set her banquet and she says, come and dine with me. God is saying, come and learn 
from me so that you can be wise and live. What an incredible offer. And we would be foolish, foolish to, to not take God up on this offer to learn from him and become wise. Unfortunately, though, uh, many people, in, fast, in fact, most people don't because there's a competitor, woman folly, and she also has set her banquet, and she also says, come and uh, hang out with me. And most people, the New Testament tells us, most people go hang out with her. In verse 13, we read, the woman folly is loud. She is seductive. She looks good and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She offers pleasure and excitement. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So in the Bible, there is the path of wisdom, which is God's path and it leads to life. And then there is the path of folly, which leads to death. Which path do you want to be on? Now, the book of Proverbs tells us that there are four types of people as it relates to wisdom. There's the wise person. And the wise person is someone who has been hanging out with Lady Wisdom and has learned her ways and does it. So the wise person not only knows the right move, but does the right move, knows what is right and good and does it. That's the wise person. And the wise person is blessed. Blessed by God and just blessed because God has created a, a universe which largely, uh, for the most part, blesses um, righteous living and wise living. Then there is the simple person. And the simple are usually young. The simple have not yet decided which banquet to attend. And so there's a lot of hope for the simple, right? There is Lady Wisdom, come, turn in, hang out with me, learn my ways. And then there is Woman Folly, turn in here, learn from me. And so the simple, they still have to decide where am I going to, uh, with whom am I going to associate? What kind of a person am, am I going to be? The third person, the third type of person is the fool. And the fool has unfortunately spent some time with Lady Folly and has learned her ways and has begun to act accordingly and is probably beginning to suffer some of the consequences. And Proverbs holds out quite a bit of hope for the foolish person. Because if the foolish person can be shown a better way, they might very well repent and turn. And so uh, when you, we see our loved ones and our friends and even sometimes our fellow Christians um, acting foolishly, we lovingly confront them and say, there's a better way. There's a reason this is creating chaos and pain in, and heartache in your life. God has a better way. And come, let's, let's join him on his path. And so Proverbs holds out lots of hope uh, for, for the foolish person. 
The final uh, type of person is the scoffer, sometimes referred to as the wicked. And the scoffer is the one who mocks the ways of God. The scoffer knows that there are two ways to live. The scoffer has chosen the path of wickedness, has chosen lady folly, and mocks God's ways. In fact, relabels them. And so the mocker labels God's wisdom as foolishness. And Proverbs doesn't hold out much hope for the mocker. The only hope for the mocker is deep, complete repentance of the heart and humility before the Lord. But there's not much hope of that held out because they've made a choice and they're walking their path. And unfortunately, it will not lead them to life. So, what person are you? And who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Well, you become the person uh, that you're hanging out with. If you're hanging out with uh, lady wisdom, you'll become wise. If you're hanging out with uh, woman folly, you will, will become foolish. And I'll talk at the end a little bit about uh, what it looks like to hang out with lady, I'm sorry, with a woman folly. <clears throat> but let me ask this question. Where can wisdom be found? So let's say you come to that point in your life where you say, I want to be wise. I would be crazy to live life uh, apart from God's wisdom when he offers that to me. And, and so I trust God's, uh, I believe in God's wisdom, and I am thankful that he's willing to share it with me, so I want wisdom. Uh, where can that be found? Three places. Number one, it's found in the Word of God. In Psalm chapter 119, uh, verse 97, we read this. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it's ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged. For I keep your precepts. And so uh, the first place to go when you're seeking for wisdom is go to the Word of God. And the bottom line is the more you know the Bible, the easier it is to see the right move, the wise move. And so every, every bit of time and energy you spend in learning the Word of God will pay off and make you wiser, assuming you trust and obey it. Second place that we can find wisdom is godly counsel. In Proverbs chapter 19, verse 20, we read, Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And you know what? The church is filled with godly counsel. People who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And in this room, there are many who have followed the Lord for decades faithfully. And they have been through life and applied uh, the gospel to their heartache and to their pain and their joy and, and their fears. And they're, they're filled with tons of wisdom. And so go and ask. Humble yourself and say, I, I need some help here. Can you... Can you share your wisdom with me? And then finally, when we need wisdom, 
We go in prayer. We ask God. I love this verse. James chapter 1, verse 5. This is one of those verses we should memorize. If any of you lacks wisdom, that has been me many, many times, and has been you. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. In other words, God doesn't say, well, what took you so long? If you had asked me at the beginning, I would have given you wisdom, but now I'm not going to give you wisdom. I'm sorry. I'm offended. No. Anytime we come to our senses and we turn to the Lord and we say, God, I want to know what is the wise thing. What do you want me to do here? He will give it. It will be given to him. It will be given to him. So, three sources of wisdom, the Word of God, the Bible, godly counsel, and prayer. When all three of those things line up, you can be very confident that you know what to do. But if there is a conflict, and sometimes there's conflict, sometimes you go to get counsel and the counsel you know, conflicts with uh, the Word of God, or sometimes in your own prayer life you feel like the Lord's leading you to do something that uh, doesn't make sense to anybody else. Well, what do you do? Well, for, uh, when there is conflict, the Bible trumps. If the Bible speaks to the matter clearly, then the Bible is right. And it doesn't matter what other people say, and it certainly doesn't matter what you believe in your own heart. Because people can be wrong, and your own uh, subjectivity, you can believe you're hearing from the Lord, and you can be wrong. And you certainly are wrong if it conflicts with the Word of God. So we got to get that straight. The Bible trumps because it's un unambiguous. It's uh, clear. Uh, all right? So I was thinking, let's run this practically. So imagine that you are wrestling with the question, should I become a foster parent? Should I become a foster parent? And so you're thinking, all right, I can go, what does the Bible have to say about it? Godly counsel and prayer. So the Bible. Well, the Bible doesn't, you, you comb through the scriptures, you use Google, and, uh, and you realize there is no scripture that says thou shalt be a foster parent. And there's no scripture that says thou shalt not be a foster parent. But the Bible has some things to say that I think are um, applicable. In, uh, in James chapter 1, verse 27... We read, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. All right. You visit an orphan in their affliction. Uh, so, okay. That's a, that, that would seem to me that this is a, a good thing that's a part of the heart of God. Proverbs 19.17, we read, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he'll repay him for his deed. Wow. It not only does uh, being a foster parent appear to be something that God would be pleased with, here he seems, it seems that there's a blessing associated with it. And then Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27. <clears throat> do not withhold good from those to whom it's due when it is in your power to do it. Hmm. So, so although the uh, scriptures don't give specific direction on this matter, you can sense the heart of God um, about this being a good thing. So then, the, then you go and you ask for counsel. People who have been foster parents, um, people who know all about 
what, what's involved. People who know you and, you and your family. You certainly need to talk to your spouse if you're married and your children. And, but the bottom line is you're asking, do we have the ability to do this? And, um, and see if people say, you know what, that, I think you would be excellent at that. That makes sense to me, or whether they're cautioning you and saying, whoa, in light of your circumstance, do you really think you can step into that? And so let's say that the Bible, you know, you're feeling Bible is saying, hey, that's a great thing. God would be pleased with that. Your counsels are, all your counselors are saying, hey, I could see you doing that. I think you'd be excellent at that, you and your family. And, but then you got to pray and you have to ask the Lord, Lord, is this something that you're calling uh, me to do? And that one's hard to, uh, you go to somebody and you say, well, bottom line is that you're going to have to wrestle with that in prayer and hear from the Lord. And there's no real easy way around that. And, you know, some people testify to God uh, at times giving audible instruction. He's never done that to me. It's always been more subjective uh, and it sounds more like my own voice, but it seems, uh, I have a sense that this is the leading of the Lord because it lines up with his word and his heart. And um... All right, so that's a practical application to this question of how do we, uh, how do we find wisdom in things that the scripture is not directly, does not directly address. What price are you willing to pay for God's wisdom? What price are you willing to pay? In Proverbs chapter 3, we are told that wisdom is highly, highly valuable and worth any price. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Think about that, blessed. That's a big word. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profit better than gold. Okay, this is God's testimony about the value of wisdom. This is what God says uh, is, is worth desiring and pursuing. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life's in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. What else on earth can that be said of? She's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. So what price are you willing to pay to obtain wisdom? Are, are you willing to pay the price of time and energy spent reading the Bible? The time and energy it, it takes to come to church and uh, hear sermons and be in a Bible study with other people? What about this one? Are you willing to be corrected in order to gain wisdom? Proverbs chapter 15, verse 31 and 32, we read this. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Are you, do you so value wisdom that you open yourself up to other people criticizing you? 
because you're, you're so committed to, I want to do the right thing, the best thing, the wise thing. If I'm not doing it, I would like people to come and tell me. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard. But when we value wisdom supremely, then we are, we are an open book. And we say, I'm going to be, I'm going to purposely be transparent. I'm going to tell people my plans, understanding that that's going to probably get their feedback, which might be critical. I'll tell them what I'm doing and, and ask for input. When you are closed off, don't challenge me. Don't tell me how to live my life. You don't value wisdom. You, you value autonomy and, and your, your own pride. We want to be people who, who open ourselves up to others. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Make no mistake, reproof is somebody coming to you saying you're doing it wrong. <laughs> That's what reproof is. And you either close yourself off to that or you say, really, explain that. And, and you have an open heart to being instructed. Of course, it's the Holy Spirit uh, if we become open to instruction, then the Holy Spirit can correct us also, right? So what price are you willing to pay for wisdom? Final thing I want to point out here is that uh, gaining wisdom is inextricably linked to faith. It's inextricably linked to faith. In James chapter 1, verse 5, I already read this. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. It'll be given him. Now, verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. What does that mean? Here's what it means. Before you ask God for wisdom, commit to doing what he says. Right? You don't go to God and say, God, I want your wisdom. And in your heart, you're saying, as long as it lines up with what I want to do. Right? That's a double-minded person. And God's not going to honor that. But if you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I want to know what the wise thing is. And I'm willing to do it when you reveal it to me. And you pre-commit yourself to, uh, to doing, God's, doing it God's way. Then the Lord will give you wisdom. And you go out and do it. So where do you need wisdom in your life right now? Where do you need wisdom? Are you hanging out with the right lady? You know, if you need relationship advice, are you reading the Harlequin romance novels and Cosmopolitan and watching soap operas? Where is that going to take you? Oh, I now know exactly what I should do. All right? You know, what friends do you go to for advice? Are you going to your Christian friends? Are you going to older men, older women for counsel, godly, godly men and women? 
Or are you going to your peers who you know are all they're going to do is cheerlead you, right? I, I, would never tell, I would never tell you how you should live your life. I'm just going to applaud all your decisions no matter where they might take you. That's hanging out with woman folly, not with lady wisdom. So here's what I wrote my, for myself as a summary, summarizing question. Do I believe that God is wise? Do I believe that He wants the best for me? Will I trust Him and obey? Let's pray. Lord, Your Word is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And frankly, Lord, I don't know. I don't think people can do anything other than stumble around in the darkness unless they are willing to learn from you. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to being uh, wise people who are willing to be instructed by you, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.